Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Welcome to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams, and uh, I'm just excited to be able to hang out with you for a little while, give you God's good news. I used to say this as a youth pastor years ago. I'd say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I get to receive the Word of God. And when I apply it to my life, I will never be the same again. That's what I believe about the Bible. I believe it to be true. I believe it to be God's Word. I believe it to be life-altering, life-changing, and it can impact you today in your life no matter where you are. If you're looking for a church home, come and join us at Southside at one of our two locations, Redstone Campus, Commerce Campus. We would love to have you. Sunday morning, 9, 15, 11, Wednesday night, we have small group discipleship, Come join us. Kids, students, something for the whole family. We would love to have you. Today, continuing in the series through the Sermon on the Mount, calling the series, It's Not Personal. But you know what? It is. It's personal. The things that we're saying, the things that we're showing that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, his first publicly recorded sermon that he spoke and it was recorded by the by, by, by the apostle Matthew Matthew 5 6 and 7 it would take you on average to read uh, to read that about 18 to 20 minutes I'll challenge you to do that if you've never read the Sermon on the Mount go read for yourself Matthew chapters 5 6 and 7 see the words of Jesus read them let God speak to you in your heart and walk with us through this as we try to make make the the teachings of Jesus in that day applicable in our day. And so that's what we do when we read the Bible. What you want to do is read it and find out its context, which means you got to work a little bit. Don't just read it. Try to study it. Find out what he's saying. Look at it in light of where we are today and build a bridge of application between the two. And so that's what we're doing here. Jesus is contrasting his own authority as original author and ultimate interpreter of the law with the false authority of the Pharisees. This is what they're going through. What they're experiencing is a time that has been going on for hundreds of years where the, the, the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, were interpreting God's word for the people. They had, they had forgotten their language. They couldn't read the, the Hebrew language anymore. And so they needed their religious leaders to instruct them according to the ways of God. In the Jewish culture, the word of God is central. It is that way today. It is, it's that way in Israel today. It is central. It is primary. Why? Because it's the word of God. And if it's God's word spoken to us, then we need to read it. We need to learn it. We need to know it. And we need to apply it so that we can live it in everyday life. It was central and primary. That is so not the case in our culture today. We do not read the Bible. We do not know God's word. And if we don't do that, how can we say that we love him? We want to follow him. We want to live for him. Well, we don't know what he said. And so what, G, what they had done, though, in, in interpreting God's word, they had really, they had, they had added their own take on it. They had added other things around it, and it elevated themselves almost equal to where their words were seen as, as just as important as God's word. 
And so what we see here is Jesus contrasting his authority. His authority as the original author and ultimate ultimate interpreter of the word with what the, the, the Pharisees were teaching in their time. It's very difficult. It's very hard. And so Jesus is trying to set the record straight in this setting. And so imagine, imagine all the promises of the Bible if they were unreliable. Imagine that. Imagine taking this entire book and not being able to trust anything that is said. That's what our culture and society likes to do. They like to put shame on the word of God. They like to cause distrust in the word of God. They like to use it as just uh, maybe a form of religious teaching rather than the very words of God spoken to us and all mankind. So imagine all the promises of the Bible if they were unreliable. God's word is reliable because his character is true. What we're going to talk about today in the teachings of Jesus deal with oaths, vows, promises, lies and promises, and and the things that, that really stem from a character flaw. It's always a character issue, and in this case and in this teaching, that's exactly what it is. Why? Because if your character isn't right, then you have to add other promises to it. I swear, I promise, I mean it. I swear somebody will say to God, or I swear to this, I swear to that. If your character isn't right, then you have to add other promises, other statements to it to let people know the seriousness of the statement. In reality, though, there should be enough strength in our character, especially if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that when that it's so much so that we don't have to add anything else to our statement. What we say is enough because it's, it's reliable and we can be counted on to do exactly as we say. So today, the message that I want to talk to you about is I cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye, but that's a lot of times the way we say things. We'll say, man, I mean it. I promise, I swear, I cross my heart and hope to die. Several things we're going to talk about when in relation it deals with our oaths, our vows, our promises, our words, our statements. This is what we see today. Number one, the purpose of an oath. The purpose of an oath. Matthew chapter five, verse number 33, Jesus said again, you have heard that it was said. You have been taught this. If you were with me last week, you remember in our teaching that the prophets of old would begin their statements or end their statements from God with, thus saith the Lord, okay? The scribes and the Pharisees would go at it this way. There is a teaching that says this, because a scribe and a Pharisee, a rabbi, would always lean into the teachings of someone before them that they sat under, they trained under. And so they would begin the statements about God's word with, there is a teaching that goes like this, that leads this way. Jesus said, I say unto you, 
Jesus is speaking with his own authority. And we see it here. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. In this statement, Jesus is summarizing a whole lot of information. He's summarizing something from the Ten Commandments. He's summarizing statements from the law. And he's dealing with oaths, vows, and promises. An oath is defined as this, to give a promise to indicate that you are telling the truth. It's like adding extra emphasis to your words when you have to add an oath or a statement to back up something you say. It's like my word does not have enough of a weight on its own. And so oaths and vows are mentioned over 200 times in the Bible. And so the purpose of an oath in Scripture was to seal an agreement and confirm a decision that had been made. And so that's what we see. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. And there are all kinds of kind of weird examples in the Bible. I think about in Genesis chapter 24, Abraham. Abraham is on his deathbed, and he's desiring to find a wife for his son Isaac. But he doesn't want just any person. And so he brings his servant in, and he wants his servant to go back to his people, back to his ancestors, back to his relatives, and find a wife for his son, Isaac. And he makes him promise that he will do it. He makes his servant make an oath. And the way they sealed that oath in that day was that the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, and he swore an oath. That's weird. (laughs) I'm just telling you, you got an old dude laying there, and he says, swear to me. So he slides his hand right there, and he goes, I swear. You're like, woo all right, I hear you. You know, I don't know how that, I mean, that was part of their culture. That was kind of the way that went down. That's the way they did that. But, but, but that's, that was a part of the oath, the promise, the vow that was made, and the servant did that. Because there was faith in that as well. He had to have the faith in the Lord that God would lead him in that promise to do what he promised to do. There's faith. All of these things are tied to faith. And I think that's what's so critical to our words, our character, our conduct, our life. Everybody has faith. It's just what's the object of your faith? What's the source of your faith? What's the focal point of your faith? Who is it? Who are you putting your trust in? When you make a promise and you vow a vow or you make an oath, are you trusting in, in, in your character, your ability, or are you making that promise based on the faith that you know that the God of heaven is going to come through for you? Another one is Boaz in the book of Ruth. And he He's, he, it's a long story, but, but he's going to, to really make an agreement to buy some land. But he's doing that because 
he's got a he, he he's gonna he's gonna marry Ruth, but there's another relative that's closer to this situation. And to, without getting into the to, to the semantics of it and going all the way through it, the agreement was made, and when they made the deal, you had to give one of your sandals to the man. And so, you know, that's the way that's the way that went down. And so the guy's walking off with a limp because he's got one shoe on and one shoe off, and somebody else is carrying his sandal. It's just a weird way of doing things, but we do the exact same thing. Here in this situation, in Genesis 24, in, in Ruth chapter 4, we see this. The words that we say and the promises that we make matter to God. They matter to God. And so the purpose of an oath, Jesus said it's a binding agreement. It's something that you say that stems from the character that you possess, but, but it, it, it comes from a focus and a faith in God. And so the words that we say and the promises that we make, they matter to God. Number two, not just the purpose of an oath, but here's the problem of an oath. Because there's problems associated with it in this teaching. Jesus said, but I tell you, here he is, stating his authority. That I, he, what he is saying, he is standing on his authority as the word of God. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all. Either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your own head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. What is he referring to? This is what they did in the Jewish culture. This is what the scribes and the rabbis did, or the scribes and the Pharisees did. They took and 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 said, well, you know, we can't swear to God because we may not follow through with it, and if something happens and we can't do it, we've made a vow to God. And the Bible says it's better not to vow a vow than to vow a vow and break it. And so what they began to do was to pick lesser things that you could swear by. I swear by Jerusalem. I swear by earth. I swear by heaven. I swear on my own head. I swear by the dirt. I swear by the temple. I swear by the altar. I swear by the sacrifice. As long as they didn't swear to God, they felt like they were safe. Again, externally is what they're dealing with, but Jesus is dealing with the heart. And so, so here's the problem with an oath. Jesus goes back. We can look at what he says in here. He says, the problem is don't take an oath at all. He said, it, it, don't swear by heaven because that's, that's the throne room of God. God is present. And, and he said, that's where he is. Swear by the earth. That's his creation. That's his, that's his place that he made. Swear by Jerusalem. That's the holy city. Neither should you swear on your own head because God is the one who created you. He said, your word, you're, you're focused on the outward, the external, the result. Jesus said, I'm going to deal with the heart. The problems with the oath. Here's the problem with the oath. Number one, we're all liars. You're a liar, I'm a liar, we all liars. Every one of us. 
And Jesus says, he says, when we lie, we're doing just what our father did, the devil. You are of your father, the devil, Jesus said. In your sinful nature, in your lost, bound for hell, sinful nature, we are just like the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. The truth did not live in him. And when we lie, we live in just like he does. God encouraged oaths in the Old Testament. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 10, you are to fear Yahweh your God and worship him, remain faithful to him, and take oaths in his name. If you go into a courtroom today, you're gonna have to maybe put your hand on the Bible, you're gonna have to swear to God, you're gonna have to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, okay? You're taking an oath. Why? Because the situation calls for it. The situation in Abraham's day, the situation in Ruth and Boaz's day, there are moments that call for those things. God wants us to be separate and different and live like it, speak like it, talk like it. He says, don't take an oath and then fail to fulfill it. He said, the problem with oaths, number one, we're all liars. Number two, we all look for loopholes. We all look for loopholes and ways out, way out. We do, we want, we want to find a way out of everything. We look for loopholes and all kinds of stuff. If you are a parent, you try to find loopholes. Why? Because you're saving money. If we go to a restaurant that has a kid's menu, I've done it, you've probably done it. I got if the kid's menu stops at 11 and I got a kid that's 13, that kid's 11 that day. And I've looked at my own kids, shame on me, bad person. I've said, you're 11 today. But dad, no buts, that's the way it is. Disney World, kids under three get in free. We may or may not have used all three of our kids at five and said they were three. Unbelievable, why? It's a loophole. We We all do it. We all look for ways, shortcuts to find a way around it. Religious leaders were creating a system with wiggle room for their oaths, their promises, their life, their words. Because they were saying that a lesser oath not sworn to by God could be broken. Jesus said, that is not right. They were compartmentalizing their lives and creating places where God was welcomed and places where he was not. They were building fences. They were building fences and believing in their life, they could say, God's welcome over there, but he's not welcome in here. God, you stay in here, but don't you get outside of there. They were building fences. We do that all the time. We set up fences and spaces where we do not invite God in. We put fences around our finances. We put fences around our sin. We put fences around our recreational activities. We put fences around our job. We put fences everywhere. God, I'll give you this, but not this. God, you can control that, but not this. So we build fences all the time looking for loopholes where God is not welcome. There are problems with living that kind of life. William Barclay said, life cannot be divided into compartments. 
in some which God is involved in others and in others in which he is not. The fact is that God does not need to be invited into certain departments of life and kept out of others. He is everywhere, everywhere all through life and in every activity of life. Jesus said in Matthew 12, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. He's speaking to the religious leaders. How can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good man produces good things from the storeroom of good and an evil man produces evil things from the storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word they spoke. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. God wants access to every area of your life. There are no loopholes in heaven. There's not. He wants access to everything. You can't build a fence and keep out the creator of the world. You can't do it. Here we see the purpose of an oath. We see the problems with an oath. And finally, we see the principles of one. The principles of one, of, keep, of making statements and living by them. Keeping your word. Jesus said, but let your word yes be yes. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. He said, let your word matter. Let, your, let, let, the, let the oath, the promise, the statement that you make, he said, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Make a promise, fulfill it. Do what you're going to do. If you say it, do it. Live it. And here's reality. All of us are going to fall short of that. Every person is going to mess up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It's okay. I forgive you. That's what we see. It's okay. It's, it's, it's okay to swear. Not that way. Not to say those things, but it's okay to swear. It's okay to make an oath. As long as you swear to keep it, it's okay to make an oath. It's okay to make a promise. If you're going to do that, keep it. For when God makes a promise, God keeps it. He says in Hebrews 6, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. He says this in Romans chapter 1, For God, whom I serve, Paul said, with my spirit, is telling the good news about his son, is my witness that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers for him to come to you. Paul said, I'm making a promise to you. God made a promise to Abraham. Jesus said when he was spoken to by Caiaphas, when he was being judged and about to be crucified, the high priest, Jesus was not answering any of the questions in the trial. The high priest then stood up and said to Jesus, don't you have an answer to these men who are testifying against you? But Jesus kept quiet. 
Then the high priest said to him, by the living God, I place you under oath. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus looked at him and said, you have said it. What you said is true. But I tell you in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power of God and coming on the clouds of heaven. Powerful. It's okay. It's okay as long as you swear to keep it. I mean, I remember when God called me into ministry. It was a calling of God on my life. I remember that. It was like God made a promise. It's like God spoke that into my life. I remember that moment. And when I stood up and announced that, proclaimed that, and said that, I was standing on the promise of what God did in my life. It's okay to do it if you're going to keep it. Number two, let honesty be constantly on your lips. That people be able to learn to trust what you say. We exaggerate. We take things way out of context. We do all kinds of things. We share our side. We do this. We do that. We do all of these things. Let honesty be constantly on your lips. If, you're gonna, if, 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 if I haven't lived this way, we'll change it and live it this way today. Live like this. Number three, let your integrity be your only credibility. Let your integrity be your only credibility. Absolute truth for young people. Teaching young people the power of absolute truth. Integrity, credibility, Remember God's word and live in a way that others want it to. Marriages that have grown cold. Bring your integrity back into that. Love your spouse. Begin to back up what you say. Remember the vows that you made at first. Churches, believers. If you say you're going to follow Jesus, do it. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, be one. If you're going to be a part of the church, be it. Make your word mean something or make sure that it does. This passage, it's really hard. It's really difficult to communicate. But this isn't a description of how to get saved. This is a passage on how to live saved. How to live a life that says that you're a follower of Jesus. Today, close the gap between what you say and how you live. 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul wrote, let no one despise your youth. Instead, be an example to all believers in your word, the things that you say, in your conduct, the way you live your life, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. In other words, leave imprints of Jesus everywhere you go. Leave imprints of Jesus everywhere you go. Let people see Christ in you. Live, live like you've been found rather than like you're lost. And let the word of God go to work in you so that he can go to work through you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the God of heaven bless you with peace today and every day. And if you don't have a church home, 
I'd love to see you. Come and join us at one of our two locations, one of our two services at both places. We'd love to have you at Southside. You know what? It just feels like home. Have a blessed day. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside, I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.